God is just another box to check in our busy, work-driven life. But when we turn and begin to remember the Sabbath, it forces us one day a week to stop and see God not as this thing we have to do, this box we have to check, this way we have to you know, work harder to please this angry God. No, when we stop and we Sabbath, we begin to take delight in the Lord. He's actually really good and he's really fun. And he has so much more for you in store than just floating aimlessly on clouds. That's really lame. And if that offends you, text it in and we'll deal with it later, okay? God is so much better. But unfortunately, we rarely make space for him. We rarely stop long enough to say, God, what are you doing here today. Where are you in my midst right now? Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. We live in a culture of hurry where there always seems to be more and more that we need to do, more and more that is expected of me and you, more and more. In our busy culture, we think that the more you do or the more you purchase or the more you accomplish, the more you're worth. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through this idea of learning to Sabbath. How do we as the people of God begin to rebel against this culture that says do more, be more, go, 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 and lives burned out and exhausted all the time? How do we as God's people choose to be different? Now, if this is your first time joining us, I want to let you know this idea of practicing the Sabbath is not something you must do in order to be Christian. You can go without any of the spiritual disciplines that make up the life of faith and still be a Christian. This practice, rather, is something that God invites us into. Something that says, come and do, come and experience, come and receive from me. So if you're busy and worn out and tired and exhausted and anxiety is creeping up higher than it's ever been before and you don't really know what's coming next. If your life is like that woman, ah, is all you've got. Maybe it's time to learn to stop, to just rest. The word Sabbath comes from the Old Testament. The word Shabbat, it quite literally means to stop or to pause. In this series, Learning to Sabbath, we've been focusing a lot on the commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Here's this one in particular. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember this day of rest and keep it set apart, different from all the rest. Keep it unlike the rest of your week. I don't know about your day off, but my day off normally does not look much different than my day on. I wake up, I check my phone, I go about my business, I run errands, I do things around the house, I'm busy, 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 I'm constantly pulling my phone back out, looking at whatever emails happen to have come in in the last hour and a half, I'm going all day long, and I get to the end of the day, and maybe my kids did a good job at bedtime, and I sit down in front of Netflix, and I binge watch whatever I happen to want that night, and I go to bed way past when I should, and I'm exhausted in the morning. See, so often our days off are actually just as on as when we're working. The only difference is we're not getting paid for them. So learning to Sabbath, remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy is intentionally doing something different 
than you normally would. What it goes on to say in a couple verses after this in these commandments is that we keep the Sabbath because God created in six days and then on the seventh day, God rested. Rest is not because you're exhausted. It's so that you can enjoy the beauty of the life that you have. Is your life missing beauty and missing joy? Maybe you need to learn to stop and pause. This idea of a Sabbath is so foreign to many Americans. We think if we don't keep going, if we try to stop, well, then we're not productive enough. It shows something about our lack of work ethic or, or what we can accomplish for this world. and We're not successful enough. But as we've talked about these last couple of weeks, this idea of Sabbath is actually created in the fabric of the universe. Like the world around us needs rest. I recently learned that before electricity, do you know the average person got 10 hours or more of sleep every night? And so when I read about these great theologians or historians or people who accomplish great things, I'm like, well, that sounds awesome. You know, look at them. They were so great and so productive. They woke up at 4 a.m. every day and they did devotions and they connected with God and they prayed for people and by seven, they were ready to go and make a difference. But I can't be like that. And then I realized that they also were going to bed at like 8 p.m. So, or maybe 7 p.m. So it's a lot easier to get up early when you go to bed early, right? Uh, I often say that to keep the Sabbath, specifically I say this to teenagers, I won't name anybody uh, by name, but you know who I'm talking about. If you wanna keep the Sabbath, it actually begins before the Sabbath, right? Like if you want to plan on doing something special to rest, you actually have to start the day or week before to prepare to rest. Have you guys ever thought about that? Like resting requires us to stop and work in order to rest. Like if you want to show up on Sunday morning or you want to wake up and watch live on live stream, if you want to be here present, you have to decide on Saturday night you're going to do that. Some of you are like, I don't decide on Saturday night. Well, you might not. You might decide when you wake up on Sunday, which is why some Sundays you don't wake up in time. Or you wake up and decide you're too tired and you go back to bed. Or you decide on Saturday you want to come, but then you go out on Saturday and you maybe drink too much or you're up too late or you do something that you are able to join us, but you have nothing in your tank and you're just kind of here. Have you ever felt that way? I have to confess, even as a pastor, I sometimes don't make the best Saturday night decisions. And when I get here Sunday morning, it's hard. It's hard to love people, even as a pastor. Did you know that sometimes takes work? Some pastors say that they love their jobs. It'd just be great if it wasn't for the people. I don't feel that way at all. I love you guys. I think you're awesome. And never once difficult or exhausting. I certainly, if you've ever worked with me, can be difficult and exhausting every single day. And when I don't get enough sleep the night before and I show up kind of pre-caffeinated, it's extra difficult and exhausting. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What would our life look like if we made a point to say no often enough that we could say yes to the things we want to say yes to. If we made a point to say no to all that extra and all those to-dos and even things that are really good but take us away from something more important, what would our life look like? In the prophet Isaiah, in his book that he writes called Isaiah, uh, he's writing a warning to the people of God. And he warns them because they've been going through the motions, acting righteous, acting like they've got it all together, acting like they know how to love God. Meanwhile, their hearts have been far from God. And it actually, he goes so far to say that they've been doing these things with the intention of causing pain to their enemies. Yikes. Have you ever been that person? Well, at least I'm not as bad as they are, right? Look at the things I'm doing over here. Isaiah in chapter 58, he's warning them about God's judgment. 
He's warning them about what God is prepared to do because of the hardness of their hearts and the sinfulness that they're rebelling even as they go through the motions. He talks about fasting and what days you fast and how you fast, another spiritual discipline we could spend some time discussing. But then in chapter 58, verse 13, he he says this about the Sabbath. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, this then is the promise, right? If you turn back to remembering the Sabbath, this is what happens. Then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you go back to honoring my Sabbath, if you turn back to doing it the way I created it, then you will delight in the Lord. Have you ever found yourself in a place in life where you know God is there, at least Uh, intellectually you know about him and you believe you say of course God is here but he feels so distant in the midst of all of whatever's going on where are you God or you want to seek him but he's kind of boring like I hate the American picture of who God is right like this God sitting up in the clouds kind of distant sitting by like okay you do your thing and just make sure it's the right thing or else And then when we die, what's our hope? According to the American Christianity, our hope is we're just going to go sit on clouds and play harps all day, which sounds horrible because that's not the way it's supposed to be. The story of scripture actually says that God is infinitely more exciting and more wonderful and more loving than anything we can experience in this world. I've experienced a lot of exciting things and wonderful things and loving things. And God is more. And he's not more like, oh yeah, of course he's over there and we're over here. God is perpetually always going out towards us. He's not waiting for us to get it together and to fix our mess. He's not waiting for us to just change all those things. He's constantly running This infinite God who's more capable and more able and more loving, greater than anything else, invites us in over and over and over again. But for me, I have to confess, sometimes I'm so busy that God is just one more thing to do. Okay, God, I'll pray for a little bit and then I have to really get some work done. Okay, God, I'll read your word a little bit, but I have to admit, it's written in Greek. It's kind of weird. It's kind of foreign. I don't really understand it. So I'll just read it because I have to and then move on. God is just another box to check in our busy, work-driven life. But when we turn and begin to remember the Sabbath, It forces us one day a week to stop and see God not as this thing we have to do, this box we have to check, this way we have to, you know, work harder to please this angry God. No, when we stop and we Sabbath, we begin to take delight in the Lord. He's actually really good and he's really fun And he has so much more for you in store than just floating aimlessly on clouds. That's really lame. And if that offends you, text it in and we'll deal with it later, okay? (laughs) God is so much better. But unfortunately, we rarely make space for him. We rarely stop long enough to say, God, what are you doing here today. Where are you in my midst right now? I heard it described this way once. It's like a radio. And okay, again, for you teenagers, uh, there once was a day where you actually had to like turn the knob (laughs) and you had to find the station. And if you got it wrong, right, it was just static. Or maybe you heard just enough to know it was the song you like, but not enough to actually hear the song you like. And even worse, before that, there was a day when you had to do the same thing with the television. 
And if you were the youngest in the family, it was your job to be the antenna, right? So like the television picture was all grainy and staticky and wasn't coming in. You had to stand there with your hand on the TV and your hand on the antenna and like this angled position to get it just right. And then the picture would come in and be clear. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Now we have all this beautiful digital age where we don't have those problems anymore, usually. But back then, if you got it just right and in the right position, you could receive the picture you wanted, all like 16 pixels, right? It was awesome. And you thought you were living like a king. Now, I heard connecting with God related to that once, and I really like this image. You and I are like these televisions or these radio receivers that have all these different signals coming in all the time, all these different voices trying to speak, all these different people trying to determine what's best for our lives. And all we need is to stop and get rightly tuned, that we can receive the voice that we're needing to hear, that we can see the picture clearly before us. When you and I learn to Sabbath, we learn to delight in God. Now, over the last couple of weeks, a few people have said to me, well, Adam, this is fun and this is great, but like this is all Old Testament stuff, right? We don't need to do this anymore. We have Jesus, and Jesus takes away all that Old Testament stuff. You're right. Jesus takes away everything you need to do. But you know what? There's a lot of things I don't need to do that I still do. I don't need to eat steak from time to time, but I still do it because it's great. I don't need to spend time with friends, but I'm kind of a jerk if I don't. So it's better when I spend time with people who love me and people I love. You don't need to do anything because of Jesus but you are invited into something. And the idea of the Sabbath doesn't just disappear when Jesus shows up. In fact, most of Jesus' miracles happened on a Sabbath. And I don't think that's by accident. When we pause and when we stop, it creates space for healing. And I'm not a miracle worker in that I can't promise you physical healing from the ailment you're suffering, though God certainly could, But what I can say is many of us, our healing that we need is not a physical thing. It's an emotional thing, a mental thing, a spiritual thing where God speaks into our life, probably not audibly, but he speaks that peace, that hope, that joy where we most desperately need it. See, if we don't create space to stop and receive healing, how will we find it? Not only does Jesus almost always heal on the Sabbath, most of his miracles happen then. The early church, the apostles, the teachers of faith, the ones who were there with Jesus and witnessed everything he did, the Sabbath was still important to them. It regularly says in the book of Acts that on the Sabbath day, they gathered together. On the Sabbath day, they would teach one another. On the Sabbath, they would pray. Regularly, the Sabbath was a part of their life. Now, some would say, well, they were just doing something on that day, but they weren't actually observing the Sabbath. But I don't know. Maybe they were. Because what we see is they don't hate the Sabbath. They don't say, stop doing that. They just say, practicing the Sabbath is not essential for salvation. That doesn't mean it's not good. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 13, it it says this, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. You see, Paul was there preaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And what happens before this is Paul actually shows up with the other disciples and they're sitting there and they're hearing God's word and they're just listening. And somebody stands up and says, does anybody have anything encouraging to share? And so Paul stands up and he begins to tell him about Jesus, how Jesus is the very fulfillment of the scripture they're hearing. And they're so moved, they say, can we hear more of this? Like, we want to know more about this Jesus you're telling us about. And, And then it goes on to say that these masses, hundreds, thousands of people begin to say, Paul, we want 
this. And then it says this in verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. They all said this clearly means something. While we don't know if they practiced the Sabbath in the same way that the Jewish people did before Jesus, we know the Sabbath was still central to their regular rhythm of life. It wasn't something accidental, but it was a time intended to hear God's word and begin to delight in him. 1,500 years after Paul, a a pastor named Martin Luther came along and explaining what does the Sabbath mean, what does it mean to keep it holy, he says this, we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching, but gladly hear and learn it. See, 1,500 years later, it was still his understanding that Sabbath means connecting with God in and through his word. And there's something about his word being spoken that is really powerful. If you are married in this room or you've ever been married or maybe you are dating somebody, you've been dating for a long time, have you heard those three wonderful words just yet spoken out loud? I love you. Like the first time you hear those words, maybe they come out as an accident and you're like, did I just say that? Did they just say that? What did I just commit myself to? Maybe they come out purposefully, right? Those words, I love you. It means something when you hear them. We often think in our day and age that we can just read God's word, just engage with God's word on my own. But there's value, there's benefit, there's actually something we gain from hearing words spoken out loud. Like this. If you are having a baby and the doctor hands you the baby and says, it's a girl, sort of. What? (laughs) The word spoken suddenly changes the whole experience. I love you, mostly. Huh? There's power in hearing what God is saying. And so the church for now almost 2,000 years in some capacity has seen Sabbath as a healthy opportunity to hear God's word, to teach God's word, and to be refreshed by it. So how do we do this? If we live in a culture that doesn't Sabbath very well, how do we begin to Sabbath? Like where do we start Should you just quit everything and sit on the couch for the whole day and do absolutely nothing? Maybe. But if you have three kids, that is literally impossible. How do you begin to Sabbath? Well, first, this is what you need to do. If you want to begin practicing Sabbath, pick a day. Preferably a 24-hour period. Why? Well, because that's what God did. He took a day and he rested. What day? Well, perhaps you could be like the Jewish people who begin the Sabbath uh, 20 minutes before sundown on Friday night and they go until sundown on Saturday night. Perhaps it could be this period of time. One of the things I think is pretty neat about the way Jewish people do this is the reason Sabbath begins at nighttime is not only because that's what happens in Genesis, but also because what do you do at nighttime when you don't have electricity? You eat a big meal, and then you go to sleep. And for them, there's this idea that Sabbath actually begins with something totally passive. It has nothing to do with the work that you do on Sabbath. It has nothing to do with what you can accomplish in connecting with God. Sabbath begins with you simply receiving from God, and then you start your day from this place of grace, having been given a great gift by him. It's a pretty neat way to Sabbath. Well, then the the church came along, and with Jesus rising on Sunday morning, they moved it from going to Friday night into Saturday night to say, let's start Sunday morning, and we'll Sabbath the whole day to remember that on Sunday the Lord rose, and as the sun was rising, they saw him empty come out of that tomb, and so it starts the day, and now we begin our week from a place of rest as opposed to ending our week with rest. 
That's one good option too. So you could pick maybe to do Friday night into Saturday night. You could do Sunday morning or all of Sunday. Make it your Sabbath and begin to practice things that make today different. Or maybe you've got a rotating schedule and it's not always a weekend that you have free and you want to say, I'm going to pick Tuesday as my Sabbath or Friday or Thursday. You know what? It doesn't matter. But if you want to learn the Sabbath, pick a day. And I'm going to strongly encourage, especially in the beginning, try to pick the same day every week. Because we're creatures of habit. We do the same things over and over again. And if you want to create a new habit, you have to do the same new thing over and over again. So try, if possible, to pick one day and say, this will be my Sabbath. After you pick a day, pick a ritual. Now, we don't like the word ritual. Ritual seems too religious, right? Like those churchy people have rituals, but I'm not one of them. Let me make ritual really simple. Ritual is a practice you do repeatedly. Why? Because we all have rituals, right? If you're a football fan, what do you do Sunday afternoon? You go home and you make your lunch or your food, your snacks, and you sit down in front of the TV and you watch football. We all have ritual. Ritual is just the habits, the patterns, the practices, the things we do repeatedly. Like maybe your ritual in the morning is you get up and you go straight to the bathroom and then you go straight to brushing your teeth. I'm one of those guys, I prefer to have some coffee and like do a few things before I brush my teeth. My wife, she can't function until she brushes her teeth. Like everything has to start there and then the rest of the day can happen. What is your ritual? The reason it's beneficial to pick a ritual for the Sabbath which I'll share some examples here in a moment, is so that you have something to set the Sabbath apart as different than the rest of the week. Something to say, now this time is beginning, and then at the end of your Sabbath, now this time is ending. And you can look forward to the beginning and the end every single time. Pick a day, pick a ritual, something you want to do to set it apart every time, And then third, prepare yourself. How do you prepare to Sabbath? Well, it's really difficult to stop and rest if you're a student and your textbooks are spread out all over because you're thinking about the work you still have to do. If you work from home and your desk looks exactly like it did the day before your Sabbath, it's really hard not to check in and begin to just answer a few emails. So how do you prepare to Sabbath? Maybe quite physically, you need to put away the things that will distract you from Sabbath. Uh, Spoiler alert, I don't know if you know this. For those of you with an iPhone, this is maybe not the case for those of you without an iPhone, but there's this little button right here on the side. Do you know what that button does? Turns your phone off. What if on your Sabbath, before you Sabbathed, you emptied your inbox so you responded to everybody, You responded to all the texts you needed to respond, and then you turned your phone off and set it aside for the whole day. Tell me you don't have an idol if you could go a couple hours without that. Prepare the Sabbath. Maybe this also means go to the grocery store. Like, have you ever tried to rest and not had food at home? All you can think about is food. Go to the grocery store the day before and have food in the house so that on the Sabbath you can sit and you can eat as much as you so want and desire without stressing over will we have enough. Maybe cook a meal in advance that all you have to do is heat it up and it's ready for you. You don't have to spend hours cooking unless cooking brings you great joy. Right? Prepare yourself to stop and rest. And then here comes the kicker. This is the most difficult one. Do it. Take a Sabbath. Try it just this week. If you haven't ever tried it before, try to do something this week different on one day to rest. And at first it's going to be really awkward and really uncomfortable. And then you're going to begin to get into it and go, I kind of like this and stuff's going to hit the fan. Like, oh wait, I don't actually like this. This is way harder than I thought. I have to say no to stuff I want to say yes to. And then you're going to get over that And begin to discover freedom. Freedom that comes from not being exhausted and worn out. 
And Sabbath begins to not just be one day a week, but it reshapes the rest of your week. That the rest of the week, whatever you're facing, you can say, I know, I get a break. I know this is going to stop. It's not forever. It's not permanent. So this is where we begin. So what do we do when we're doing nothing? Like if you're trying to rest, what types of things historically have been found to be helpful in Sabbathing? These are not requirements. If these sound horrible to you, don't do them. Pick something different. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, what brings you joy? But these are a few things that have been historically determined. This helps people stop. So here you go. All right, what do you do when you're doing nothing? Maybe you should light some candles. One, because if your house is like mine, it always has a smell to it, no matter what you do. I think I blame Ezra for most of that, but eventually he'll be too old and I can't blame him for that. All right, so light some candles. For kids, this can be a really great opportunity to invite them into a ritual. Now we're doing something different. Like imagine if you let your four-year-old light the candles every week. I bet your four-year-old would be really excited for Sabbath, right? Obviously, let, only let them do that with supervision. Don't just give them the matches and say, have fun, right? Light some candles. It's also for a ritual, a really great practice. What if you bought candles that were exclusively for your Sabbath and you lit them on the Sabbath and maybe you read some verses like where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And you read that out loud as a family and said, where have we seen Jesus this week? Create space for conversation. So light some candles. Or maybe you could bless your family. If you've never blessed somebody out loud, it's really simple. A blessing is just a prayer spoken out loud. So it works really simply like this, right? Tony, may God give you rest today. There's a blessing. Paul, may you know that you're loved today. There's a blessing. Just like that, just speak a blessing over somebody. What if you began to do this in your family? Like, well, I don't have any kids. Okay, look yourself in the mirror. If your family is a family of one, look yourself in the mirror and speak a blessing over yourself. You are loved. Do you need to hear that today? Consider speaking a blessing out loud. Or this one, feast, right? Like, what if your Sabbath began with a big meal? And every week you could look forward to eating delicious food. Maybe it's the one time a week you don't count calories. You don't eat keto. You don't do the thing you've been doing to try to be healthy all week. Now you get to just enjoy. One time a week. Maybe sing some songs. And if you're like, I don't like singing out loud, my voice is terrible. Here's what I want to challenge you today, to do today. If you have an Alexa or a Google Plus or whatever that thing is, or, or a smartphone, or even if you just have internet, a really short search will help you find a bunch of really stupid kids' songs. Really stupid kids' songs. My, my kids will give you a list of them. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you're somebody who doesn't like singing, go home and find a super stupid kids' song because they're easily memorable and just start singing it. Why? Sometimes we just need to be kids. Like all the stress and all the weight of the world, sometimes we just need to unwind a little bit. And I promise you, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Who wants to sing with me, right? If you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, then you're... A little bit of song, childish or not, can fill you with great joy. So try it. Sing a song. All right, maybe you should worship with others. This is really easy. If your Sabbath is on a Sunday, just commit to showing up in person or online at the same time every week and experience the joy of knowing you're not alone in your faith and your journey with God. Go for a walk. Now, somebody asked me last week or the week before, I really enjoy hiking. Can I go for a five-mile hike on my Sabbath day? Yes. If that brings you rest and refills you, absolutely. See, we're not Jewish. We don't have a set number of steps we can take. We can take as many steps as you want. But there's something really healing that comes in a world that is sedentary, that where we mostly sit behind a desk or at a table all the time. There's something really healing that says, I'm just going to go for a leisurely walk and just experience the world outside these walls. 
And it's also a really easy thing to invite other people into. Do you wanna go for a short walk for me? Or with me? Not for me, I wish you could go for a walk for me, that'd be awesome, right? Go for a walk, maybe in nature, maybe in your neighborhood, just go for a walk, be active, but leisurely, just for fun. All right, so those are the first six. Here's six other things you can do. First, take a nap, right? Like you wanna learn to rest? Take a nap, naps are great, and we as Americans think they're bad, we shouldn't. Take a nap. Don't feel any guilt or shame for taking a nap. Or maybe if you're married, take a nap. (laughs) Right? In fact, historically, this was one thing Jewish people often did on the Sabbath. And for you kids, if you're not sure why there's quotation marks around take a nap, just ask your parents, all right? (laughs) This can be really healing for your marriage. If your marriage is struggling... Taking a nap won't fix it. However, it can bring healing if you take a good nap. And what I mean by this as a brief aside, the things that help your nap improve, like communication and selflessness and uh, seeking to do things that bring the other person joy and pleasure, These are good for your marriage. And sometimes in our culture, we've forgotten that that's actually supposed to be good. And and so we have struggles in our marriage and those struggles put a strain on our ability to enjoy being married and then we stop enjoying being married and then we go for long lengths of time having not once come together and been intimate. You want to strengthen your marriage? Maybe try this. Make a weekly time where you always say, on this day, we're going to try it and see what happens. And in order to make it enjoyable, we actually have to like love each other the rest of the week and see what happens. Read. And I don't mean like read books that are for work so that you can grow and know and, and study and be smarter in your job. Just read something fun. Maybe something completely stupid that has no significance whatsoever. But reading can be a good practice to help you rest. And as Americans, we have forgotten that you can actually read paper. Did you know that? Like you don't have to just read it on your phone or digitally. I would recommend reading something physical, maybe a physical newspaper or magazine one day a week, or maybe a physical book and you're like, that's killing trees. They're already dead. It's okay, right? But there's something powerful about holding something in your hand That's not this bright blue shiny light coming back at you. Give it a try. See if it fills you with rest. Or maybe you should spend some time alone with God, do some devotions, do some study of the word, pray, or listen to your favorite worship music and maybe sing in the comfort of your house knowing nobody else will hear you. Or spend some time with others, people you love, friends and family you care about. You know, the Sabbath is intended to be a time where you draw near every week your closest friends and family. And now we live in this age where you're like, well, we're connected on Facebook and Twitter and all these other things. And you never once stop and call somebody and say, how are you doing? I miss you. Do you want to get together for coffee or lunch? So maybe you should spend some time with people you care about. And then finally, this practice is one that uh, is really relevant this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving, the one day a year that Americans are supposed to be thankful. And then the next day we go out and we buy as much as we possibly can, right? Because We're already thankful, so we might as well have more. Practice giving thanks. Like, what if every single week you sat down and said, what's one thing I'm thankful for this week? What's one thing I'm thankful for today? You know, this can be really healing if your relationships are struggling and you're fighting with people. What's one thing you're thankful for about the person that you're at odds with? It brings a lot of healing. These aren't exclusively all of the practices that help Sabbath, but there's some that have been helpful. And ultimately the goal in Sabbathing is not to add something more to your plate, to do more than you've done before. The goal of Sabbathing is creating space in your life where all the noise of this world can be silenced. And God is free to do what he does, to connect you with his love, with his grace, and with his strength. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that 
you are a good God who invites us to Sabbath to stop and rest. God, to do things that are healing, that restore our soul. Help us, Lord, to rebel against this culture that says we need to be more or do more first. Teach us to stop, to pause, to connect with you. God, may we, as we begin to rest, be strengthened and encouraged and filled with peace and joy and love that we can walk in your ways every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we prepare to continue our worship by collecting an offering, I wanna share with you something I'm really, really excited about. I mentioned this last week, the idea of our year-end giving initiative called Cultivate Community. You should have received one of these things when you walked in, and if you didn't, uh, I encourage you to get one when you leave. It's something you can take home and read and pray about and consider, what does this mean for me? See, in years past as a church, we have ended the year doing something called rent-free, where we've attempted to set aside rent in advance of the end of the year so that the rest of the year, whatever resources God provides would be freed to love and serve our community and do things out there for others more. As I mentioned last week, we're doing something entirely different this year. See, we don't think God's calling us to be rent-free, but he's actually calling us to do so much more. Today, I want to share with you three things we're aiming to do with this Cultivate community that I'm really excited about, and I hope that you will become excited about them as well. If 2020 has taught me anything, it's that you and I desperately need people in our lives. This world is difficult and exhausting and painful, and there's a lot of things outside of our control. So the first thing we're aiming to do with this year-end giving initiative is to create space to foster friendships. Wouldn't it be amazing if you and I knew one another outside the doors of just Sunday morning, outside this one hour, but we actually had people in this church community that when life got hard, we could call and say, I need some prayer. I need some comfort. Do you want to grab coffee? Would you like to have lunch? I'm really struggling and I need you. Wouldn't it be amazing if we as a people could be that for one another? And so our goal is to foster uh, friendships by creating space in this building that not only can you connect with other people from the point, but hopefully create a safe space where you can invite your friends from the community say, let's get together and grow in our friendship and practice friendship in a time and a space where we're supposed to be at a distance. Let's do it safely here. Not only is our goal to foster friendship, we believe that God's calling us to sustain our future. Well, like I said, rent-free was an annual thing. Every year we had to do it again, but this space that God has provided us in 2020 gives us opportunities to do so much more, like be rent-free forever. In fact, there's a lot of extra space maybe you haven't seen in this building. We've already been working with some local nonprofits and some people here in the congregation who are actively in motion doing things to prepare that we can have almost half of our rent paid for by renters beginning in January, which frees up a whole lot of opportunity to love our neighbors really well. And that's just the beginning of what we can do here. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to share more about those opportunities and ways those opportunities will help connect our community to God and connect us to one another. But first, I want to share this last thing that I'm really excited about. Cultivating community is not just about fostering friendship and sustaining the future. Cultivating community, it's about serving our community. Specifically, our community of Knoxville around us, increasing our partnership with local nonprofits like the Community Coalition Against Human Trafficking, or like Child Help, an agency that serves kids who've been physically or sexually abused. We intended to partner with them in 2019, but I know for sure God's opening doors to partner with them in 2020. Not only are we going to serve our community through physical acts of service, but we believe in 2021, God's calling us to serve our community by increasing our presence in things like Brewfest 
or other festivals and community outreach things in our city. In fact, we had planned in 2020 to join Sunset on Central, which is an outdoor music festival that happens right here in this neighborhood. And we had planned to partner with them, and of course, COVID made it not happen. But now we're in this neighborhood. It's not just something we're going to. It's actually our neighbors. And I believe that by cultivating community, we're going to be able to partner with them and do so much more than we've done in the past like perhaps some open mic nights or some art shows on first Friday or other things to tell the community you matter. Come on in. What about movie nights? Have you seen our outdoor amphitheater where we could do outdoor movie nights? Absolutely. There's so much possibility of ways that we can connect and love and serve and I'm really excited about it. But real quick, I want to wrap up with one last thing. I'm not the only one who's excited about it. See, I believe God's doing huge things. Uh, Last week, I introduced this, and on Monday, I got a phone call from somebody who doesn't go to the point, but believes in what's happening here, and says, I want to meet. Can we meet? And I said, okay, sure. And he hadn't live streamed. He didn't know about this initiative. And we got together on Wednesday, and he said, hey, I just, I really felt led to give you a check for $5,000. Just out of the blue. He said, I believe God's doing some exciting things. And I want to be a part of that. Will this help? Our goal with Cultivate Community is to raise $30,000 for these three things. And already, thanks to this guy, who God stirred on his own independently, we're already a sixth of the way there. Will you prayerfully consider joining us this year? Maybe giving above and beyond your normal giving. If this is your church family and your church home, would you consider participating either at a dollar or $10,000, whatever that looks like, to say, I want to be a part of connecting the disconnected for years to come. However you give and whatever you give, whether it's in the popcorn buckets in the back with cash or check, or whether it's online at thepointknox.com, all of your gifts are not to get God's love, but because we already have them. Thank you. All right, this is my favorite part of the service where we always get to respond to the questions you've texted in, and I will do my best to try to answer as well as I can. Absolutely. Um, so we have a handful of questions this morning, and we, ha- we are running a little bit behind, so I think I'll save a couple of them for Point Leftovers again. Sure. If that's cool. So, uh, If you don't know what that is, on Wednesday on Facebook, we will share responses to the, the questions we don't get, a, get time to respond to today. Absolutely. Um, All right. So would you agree that it's just as important to have devotion every day as a day of rest? How is that different than a mini Sabbath? Yeah, that's great. So um, a daily devotion is a healthy practice because you should daily connect with God and he wants to be in your every day. The difference in a Sabbath is your daily devotion is done with the knowledge that when you're done with the devotion, you've got a lot of stuff to do. A Sabbath, you get to do those little devotions and then just sit and rest. And so they actually have some, they do something different in your psyche. Um, Both are really good, but it's nice to be able to then sit afterwards and not feel the rush of needing to go do something immediately afterwards. Absolutely. Um, Second question, if God is always so good, why does he allow so much bad stuff to happen to some people and let some have nothing and others so much? That's a tough question. Um, there's not a simple answer, so I'll give you my simple answer. Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Because every one of us has been broken by the curse of sin, and every one of us sins and experiences the pain of other people's failures. And the promise is, the good news is that he has, he has said, it will all be made right. And he's given his son, the reason we're here is because of Jesus, that Jesus has said, I will take all of this suffering and I'll make it right. And in the meantime, while we wait for his return and everything to be restored, some days and some seasons are really unbearable. And so we come to the foot of the cross and know the God who can bear all of our pain and all of our suffering. And we wait and we hope. Okay, you're actually going through these pretty quickly, so I will, I'll ask the... Well, one, we, one someone sent, we should do some kids' songs every once in a while, like Father Abraham. <laughs> yeah, we should. As long as you guys are going to dance to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the last question, and we, we still might probably have to address this on Point Leftovers, but 
With COVID cases rising sharply, what is the point doing to protect us in attendance? Two services, masks, temperature checks. Many of us will be around family for the holidays. Um, what are we doing to help keep you safe? Our best. <laughs> and here's what I'll say to that. Uh, if you notice, we're intentionally wearing masks. I hate them, but I'm going to wear them. Obviously, I'm not at the moment. But uh, when I walk out there and I talk to you, I will be. Um, I don't enjoy masks, but I wear them because it's encouraged and says this helps. And I'm not a scientist to know if it does or doesn't, so I try my best. We have hand sanitizer. Uh, we don't have multiple services because uh, there's still plenty of room for us to gather in this space at a distance um, where you can gather with people that you're in your family with, but not necessarily next to everybody else. Uh, our Christmas Eve, we are going to have two services just in case um, there's not enough room for us to spread out. And so that's what we're doing. Um, temperature checks, uh, I've read a lot. Those actually, they're not so sure they help because you could come in without a temperature and develop one here. You could never develop a temperature even though you, you have COVID. So the long and short of it is we're doing our best, but we'll gladly accept solutions or suggestions. Uh, and what we have to ask from you is, will you do your best? And so if you think you're sick, stay home. Please, that's why we live stream. If you're concerned you might get sick, stay home, but uh, continue to engage on Facebook or on, on live stream. Let us know you're, you're watching and joining us. Um, if you have questions, we're always available to talk. Our prayer and our goal is that you can continue to connect with God and remain healthy. I have several friends in several churches around the country that have had to go back to being virtual only, and I hope to avoid that. If that becomes the case, we will deal with it then. But for now, we're going to keep trying to do our best to keep you safe. Anything else? Those are the questions. Cool. Uh, if you have other questions that come in during the week, you think of midweek, that number is on thepointknocks.com. You can find it and uh, text in questions later, and we'll do our best to respond either by Wednesday if we see them beforehand, or we'll do our best to respond next Sunday. Receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, Simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.